0: Welcome to Wild Hearts at Work, a podcast redefining our relationship with work through stories and conversations with wild hearts who have dared to challenge the status quo. And now, here's your host, Melissa Boggs.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wild Hearts at Work podcast. I am your host, Melissa Boggs. Today, my guest is here to talk about one of my favorite topics. I feel like I say that every time, but that's the joy of being a podcast host. You always get to talk about your favorite topics. Um, But his topic is about agency. So I'm really excited to introduce to all of you William A. Adams. He is a longtime Microsoft employee, currently a technical advisor to the CTO at Microsoft. Um, He is a technologist, a philanthropist. And just an all-around experienced and very, very likable guy, I can already tell you. So, William, I am, I am. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. It's good to meet you.
0: Thank you for having me, Melissa. My mom told me I was a good guy, so it must be true.
1: I trust your mom. I haven't met her, but I trust her. Uh, so let's just start by kind of orienting folks to your role at Microsoft. So um, as you tell me you've been there forever... Uh, I'd love to hear more about that and what you're doing right now at Microsoft.
0: Yeah, so um, I've been at Microsoft almost 24 years. Um, Before Microsoft, I had my own company that I ran with my brother doing all sorts of stuff and software um, in Silicon Valley. Um, But at Microsoft, I generally have done engineering sorts of stuff over the years, um, being an engineering manager, architect, uh, whatever, building engineering teams. Um, but I've also spent a fair amount of time um, educating our engineers on how to be better engineers. So in, I lived in India for three years, for example, training uh, all the college hires that came in uh, how to be engineers at Microsoft. Um, the the technical advisor thing is, is one of those labels that sticks to you even when you're not in the original role, just like being president. Uh, yeah. You're still the president even afterwards. And uh, technical advisor is essentially someone who's had a lot of experience um, and is advising synthesizing a lot of information for some leader right like um, if you're uh, the office of the CTO at Microsoft, Kevin Scott looks at the industry right what's going on in the industry and and what are the goals of Microsoft and what should we what are the trends we should be looking out for because um, Within the individual business units, they're fairly focused on delivering whatever they deliver, whether it's Office or Azure or whatever. Um, But what brings it all together? What should we be doing 10 years from now? So a technical advisor is someone that helps look at everything that's out there and helps synthesize things and make recommendation. Uh, And the closest analogy I can come up with is uh, the Supreme Court justices have their people that – uh, help them write their opinions, right? Mm-hmm. They do all the research. They synthesize a lot of case uh, work. And then they say, hey, judge, here's here's the opinion that your, your staff has come up with or a perspective your staff has come up with, right? And then the justice does what the justice does. Um, my role, uh, that's what a technical advisor is. My role right now is uh, to... Uh, Help fix things in our engineering system, uh, in Azure specifically. And I also get to do things like, hey, um, why don't we hire more people in Atlanta? And here's how we can do that. Or why don't we go hire people in the Caribbean? Look at all those great people out there. And there's no engineering out here. So I have the leeway to kind of do things as long as it aligns with what the business is trying to do. Right? Sure. Uh, I'm probably not going to go open a soup kitchen, but uh, short of that, pretty much uh, I'm trusted to do interesting things that the company needs done.
1: And people things, it sounds like. People-y yeah. things.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot, of t- a lot of times the last few years I've spent in uh, cultural transformations, um, systemic transformations, uh, and not just code, right? Because when you have an organization of 160,000 or whatever size we are now, um, it's not all about the code. I mean, that's a that a that's a city's worth of people you have to deal with. So there's a lot of uh, systemic and cultural stuff you have to deal with,
1: for sure. And I have to say, when I think about a company like Microsoft, a company that large, and I think it's fair to say, pretty corporate in general, yeah. uh, the first word that comes to mind for me is not necessarily agency yeah and so what caught my mind when we connected with one another was that that was the first word that you brought up right. and and the many ways in which you've evoked that at Microsoft. Yeah. so I'd love to hear just more about that like what does agency look like in general? What does it look like at Microsoft?
0: Yeah, so first definition, what do I mean by agency and it's your ability to um do stuff simply um or the, the better way of describing it is a lack of agency. Lack of agency is when you just feel like you're told what to do. You can't change it. You just have to follow the instructions. That's it. You know, um, not, much, not much agency there. <laughs> uh, you're just the cog. You know, what you would think of in corporate is cog in the wheel, right? Or um, something like that. So agency is, is essentially, um, and this is actually a cultural aspect of Microsoft, even though it's, it may not be readily apparent is that we want to drive decision-making as low into the organization as possible. That's how you get maximum benefit out of the intelligence of the people that you've hired and paid a lot of money for, right? It doesn't mm. make sense to pay people tons of money and then just tell them exactly what to do, right? Uh, so agency, um, but even with that, uh, you may, uh, the organization may support agency, but not everyone understands how to activate uh, their own agency, right? It's like, we give you permission, go do what we pay you to do. It's like, yeah, but can you tell me what to do? Right. (laughs) There's a lot of people like that, uh, especially in corporations, because a lot of people just want to keep their head down and get the paycheck. Um, I've never been that person. I've always been the person It's like, well, I've got ideas and I want to enact my ideas. Um, within the confines of, yes, this corporate structure, but I'm active. I have my own vision. I have my strategy of how we should get done, our our bigger vision. Uh, And my agency is what helps me uh, do that, right?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah, I could give you examples, unless you want to ask a question.
1: No, I'd love to hear, sure, just what that looks like at Microsoft and you know, what change maybe you've seen as a result of some of the things that you've done to evoke it?
0: Yeah, I would say that um, one of the first things I did that was perhaps outside of the the, the realm of normal stuff. Yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. Well, well it's going to sound <laughs> kind of boring because it's an engineer. The first one is an engineering thing. So I owned this uh, technology called XML back in the day. And uh, the way we work at Microsoft is very big groups like Office and Windows. And, you know, they, they come to little tiny groups like mine and, and they say, you will do the following and you will get on our schedule, you know, because they're very big and they make all the money. And little tiny me, you know, uh, I had to push back on those people and say, well, I can't I can't jump to all of your schedules. There's like 10 of you, you know, we're going to follow our schedule and you're going to take the bits when we tell you they're ready, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, and that was one of those things where I, I'm I'm flying in the face of our corporate vice presidents that owned at that time these massive multi-billion dollar things, right? And I'm telling them, no, I'm sorry. I'm not going to follow your schedule anymore because it's impossible to follow 10 schedules. We're going to ship every three months and you can pick up our golden bids and blah, blah, blah. Um Now, there's danger in that. You know, some people might say, well, that's a queer, limiting move. What a fool you are. You know, you should have just kind of stuck it out and whatever. It's like, no, because you end up killing yourself trying to do that. So uh, agency in that sense is having the uh, perhaps the gall, some people would say, but having the strength to say, I know what's right to do as much as anyone else does. And this is the right thing to do from an engineering perspective in this situation and from a business perspective. So we're going to do this, right? And you take all the arrows and finger wagging and all the rest, but after you're right for a few months of doing it, it's like, okay, fine. I guess that's the way it is. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, That's an example of agency. It's, it's just saying, well, I'm, uh, I'm confident that, uh, my opinions and my emotions and my actions are as valid as anyone's. Um, so this is what we're going to do, right? This is what's going to be done. Uh, so that's one example of, of what I mean by agency.
1: Let me ask you in that example, what was it in the environment or maybe in your, I don't want to sound like a psychologist, but in your childhood or.
0: What did your mother tell you? that right, allowed <laughs> you to do that? But
1: truly, what, what, what was it that you had the courage to do something like that in that moment? Because I think, I think some of that exists for our listeners, and they just need to grab it. So what yeah. existed for you that made that possible?
0: I think it, it perhaps goes to a, um, both experience and, and experience leads to confidence, perhaps. And then there is perhaps something within you that just says, yeah, I'm going to be bold right? I'm I'm not going to just sheep back. Uh, So I had, before I joined Microsoft, had my own company. So I was VP of engineering, you know, (laughs) our little 10-person company. Um, And so I knew how to do engineering before I came to Microsoft. Now, Microsoft is a whole new level, right? Mm -hmm. But engineering is engineering. Code is code. I mean, at the end of the day, I was fairly confident in my understanding of how code is written and put together and shipped and all that sort of stuff. So I had the confidence that I was right technically. Um, the other part of it was I had no fear of reprisal. So what's the worst you can do to me? Fire me. That's the worst. Well, I can get another job. I had my own company. I'm fairly confident that I can get another job. Maybe not at this company after they fire me, but I'm pretty confident I can have another job, Um, and that's that's perhaps the hardest part of it is just knowing when it's okay to walk away. Right, Um, I'm going to do this; it's the right thing to do. um, And the worst case scenario is I get fired. Okay, they're not going to take away my children. (laughs) <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. if I don't find another job, I won't be able to feed them, but that's not <laughs> likely, you know, so,
1: I do think that's one of the things that this whole, you know, great resignation in air quotes yeah. is starting to show people is that there are
0: there's alternatives,
1: right? there are so you alternatives. don't have to have fear. And you can show up in your values and you can show up with the thing that you believe is the right thing to do. I think we're learning collectively as a society to trust ourselves more.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like no fear. I mean, what's going on right now, for example, there's another thing that's going on right now. Um, The listeners won't know that I'm a, I am an African-American male, Um, but uh, there's something going on right now. Post George Floyd, where it's a, a, seller's market, depending on which side you want to sit on. Um, Black folks are not having a a hard time finding jobs in tech right now uh, because of the the awareness of, particularly if you're long time, if you're experienced in tech and you're black, you're probably getting multiple offers from multiple companies. Uh, So that gives great confidence for people to stand up and go, look, and not to be very in your face about it, but. To just have a little bit more confidence because you know, yeah, if 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 push comes to shove, you can probably get another job. Sure. Probably paying more than what you're getting right now. So go ahead and be bold. Why not? <laughs> right? Know your value. Know your value. And if you know your value and you're okay with it and you're not afraid to miss a couple of paychecks while you're looking for that new job – Um, it's okay to take some uh, risks in yourself, right? It's okay to be confident because there's uh, there's probably not a a big downside to it.
1: Agreed. And actually, I want to talk about the upside a little bit. So after you made that decision, and I know we're just talking about one micro decision and the many that you made in your career, but using that as an example, a couple months went by and you were right. Yeah. I have to imagine that... Those folks who gave you grief about that decision now actually have elevated respect for you because you stood for what you believed in and it turned out to be right. Have you found that to be true?
0: Uh, Yes, I would say that I gained a reputation not for being a troublemaker, but for being um, a hardcore engineer. Right. So it did prove out that it's like, oh, he's introduced a new thing for us. Um, and it was right. OK, much respect. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I got street cred for that. And then subsequent actions that were similar to that. It was just a, a stream of, OK, yeah, William, he's he's good right and then i leveraged that later to do other interesting things as well so yeah you're right it was the upside was um respect rather than troublemaker
1: right, right? and i just have to say we don't hate troublemakers uh around here <laughs> we like we like the wild ones here like the Hearts trouble
0: it's in the name
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, so dot dot dot. Other interesting things. Other other stories you can tell us of your yeah. agency or others agency at Microsoft or sure. In other so things,
0: in more recent years, well, there's there's uh, two big ones I suppose. One is the creation of this uh, program called Leap, and that was in uh, 2015. Essentially, I looked at our company and I thought, okay, what's what's a really hard challenge you know from a business perspective that we're not really addressing. And the challenge I, I perhaps stumbled upon was the hiring of women and minorities, which was just one of those perennial things where it's like, oh, and the pipeline, there's just not enough of them. Blah 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 blah. Excuse excuse excuse. And I said, okay, well, how do we how do we crack this, right? How do we break this logjam? Because this has been going on as long as I've been at the company. So, what's wrong here? And I uh, just came across these these things called, you know, coding academies, which I had never heard of <laughs> before. <laughs> you know, wow! I've discovered coding academies, and it turns out that's where a lot of um, people who were uh, not getting CS degrees, or moms who did have CS degrees and were trying to return to work, or people who were coming from other industries. They're going to coding academies. They weren't going back to four-year colleges to get the degree. It's too much time, right? So they're going to coding academies. So I said, well, that's where the people are. And it was predominantly women and minorities, you know. Um, Said, okay, well, there's the people. Now we need to create a program uh, that allows us, gives us permission, essentially, to talk to those people, interview those people, and have them, essentially, as interns. Uh, So I created this program that did all that. I said, well, this is how we interview them. So we changed the way we interview people, right? We didn't do the classic, all right, now get up on the whiteboard and implement in 10 seconds, a B-tree algorithm. (laughs) You know, it's like ridiculous, right? I mean, these Mm -hmm. these ridiculous tech interviews. Uh, We introduced the concept of uh, interviewing people for their potential and for the problem solving in general. Um, It's like, I might pose a different problem. Like how do you move Mount Fuji with a spoon, you know, or whatever, Uh, how long would that take? Um, But anyway, I'm trying to figure out a different way of assessing your ability to solve problems. And more importantly, we we introduce the concept and it sounds so strange of assessing people on their people skills. Like, are they good collaborators, right? They've been a barista for 10 years. Are they a good barista? Do they know how to interact with customers? Give me an example of a customer experience you had that really demonstrates how great you are with customers because we really need that when we're developing software is customer empathy, right? Uh, how best to get it then from people who have actually interacted with real customers instead of staring at screens all their lives, right? Uh, so we did all that, and we had a cohort, and it succeeded in a. So the, the agency here was it was I literally had my management, uh, my manager at the time told me, well, you realize you do this and you're, you're no longer an engineer. It's like, I- I've been coding for 30 years. How am I suddenly not an engineer? Right. <laughs> you know, but this is the kind of um, the kind of he was he he's he was meaning. Well, he was trying to tell me, well, this is off the beaten path, yo. And. I don't know. And you've
1: got the flag and you're like, I know, I'm going. I know, <laughs> I know,
0: I'm going, I'm jumping off the cliff. I've got kind of a parachute. It's fine. So it was that kind of resistance um, from various people because uh, most of us in tech, uh, it's a club, right? It's like, I'm in. Now let's make sure everyone else up in this club has the same qualifications as us so we can keep it pure, Mm. right Mm -hmm. and then you show up as like oh wait a minute how those people they don't have a cs degree (laughs) it's just a barrier right it's a false barrier um and you want to break that down and say yeah the cs degree isn't actually all that important for what we do nowadays it might have been 20 years ago but now it's actually not uh and so we, we, I essentially got us to drop that as a requirement. All our job descriptions used to say CS degree required. And I said, no, I don't think so. Um, and now it's not, right? We look at other things. But the agency in all of that was to just go, okay, this is something I can change. I know how to educate uh, because I lived in India and taught all our engineers how to be engineers. Um, I know where to find people. Um, I know how to um, build teams. I know how to change the interview structure. Uh, We're going to do this. Uh, And so I did it. And I had support. I had a couple key managers above me who were like, yep, we're going to pay your salary, even though this doesn't look like the typical engineering stuff. Um, And they supported it, and it became a thing. And now it's, um, what, five, six, seven years later, uh, it's like a federally accredited program. It's owned by our HR department. It's the talk of what we talk about when we talk about DNI initiatives. You know, it, it succeeded wildly, um, and it started from me just saying, "No, this needs to be done." Right? It's really so incredible. Was, it it was an incredible ride, and uh, it really was transformative. And it was done at a time when most of the other companies, and still today aren't doing that. Like we're hiring in mass. We hire 20, 30, 50 at a time in a cohort. Um, and still people are, are like, we've got this little program where we're trying to hire four or five, you know, some things. And it, it's like, what, really? <laughs> really?
1: Well, I was going to ask like how, you know, whether or not that had a ripple effect with Microsoft being as big and as well-known yeah. as it is, you know, yeah. did you see other companies, you know, following suit and doing similar programs as a result?
0: Yeah. Now we have Amazon last year had, uh, I saw it in a, a, a article. They have a program called LEAP. <laughs> their acronym means something different than ours did, but they have a program called LEAP. And it's kind of the same thing of how they bring in uh, women and minorities into their, uh, I think it was into their data centers or something like that. So they have that. And now that it's a federally accredited program, um, other companies, our own customers look to us and say, hey, why don't you do that for us? Right. So Mm -hmm. now it's becoming, as we say, it's talent as a service, if you will. And we have uh, we have been doing for the last at least two years, if not three, um, in uh, Nigeria, for example, Uh, We run cohorts of it's all women uh, because in Nigeria, the key thing is women, not not black or white because they're all black. (laughs) Um, So it's women. And our partners are like, yes, please run that for us and we will consume those people. So it's become a thing, a product, if you will, of how do you hire diverse talent? Right. That's not on the beaten path. And it all stemmed from. Um, that agency just saying, well, this needs to get done. Right. Yeah, I I felt the freedom and the support to do it. Right.
1: Exactly. You created your own pipeline. First of all, Oh, there's no pipeline. Sometimes you have to to build the pipeline. Right. 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 Um, And then again, there's this ripple effect from one person. And I think again, so often our listeners can feel stuck or feel like, Oh, I'm just one person. So, yeah. If you're listening, William saw a problem, had the agency, the support, you know, the environment to pursue solving that problem. And now you've got other like major companies doing the same thing. And it's international now. Like, I don't know yeah. how much more that agency could have exploded and like, you know, had a wildly positive impact literally across the world.
0: Yeah. Uh, I can give you one more if you want.
1: Oh, of course I do.
0: (laughs) So this one is um, around the same time, actually, as the Leap program was moving along. um, We were we were sitting in the office of the CTO, and uh, someone came to me, uh, was introduced to me um, from Africa, uh, from Nigeria, and we had been trying to get engineering into the uh, Indian, the African continent for a decade. There's several. Africans within the company that just keep pushing on it, but they weren't really getting traction. And I was introduced to this one person and they said, Oh, you should come. Let's take a trip, you know, because we really need to have engineering in, in uh, Africa. And so I went on this trip with a group of people to um, Nigeria and Kenya. So it was like a one week trip where we visited both places and every night we met a million people and just did all this stuff. And, by the end of the trip, um, we said, "Okay, well, uh, let's do this. Let's hire people here." You know, so we had there was a hiring event. Normally, our hiring events in such places, you do a hiring event and then you send people back to Redmond. You know, mm. um, but we said, "No, no, no, no. Let's keep them here. Let's build a development center here." because that's going to be far better than the brain drain strategy, right? It's going to be better for the local economy to build it that way. Um, and so I went back to Redmond and I said, okay, we're going to hire four people. Just now. <laughs> we're not going to go wait for approvals and get a corporately aligned. and not. We're going to hire four people. And I hired them as contractors, but we're going to hire four people. And Microsoft Research. You guys in? You you down with this? Okay, you're going to hire four people, and then this other group. You guys? Oh, you're in for eight? Okay, now we've got you know um, eight, 16 and that was the start of it. Where uh, and the only thing I did with my my boss at the time uh, was Kevin Scott, our uh, CTO. Um, I said, okay, Kevin, I believe we need to go into Africa. I'm not asking for anything. I don't I don't need a multi billion dollar budget or anything like that all I need from you is to not say no. (laughs) And he said, I'm not going to say no. And that was that, (laughs) right? So again, it's agency in that I thought something needed to be done. And I confronted the, uh, well, I I actually had disposable income, if you will. So I could actually hire people. Um, And I went to my boss and said, this should happen. And he believed it. Uh, and therefore, it happened. And then the rest of the company came within a year after that. And now we have a few hundred people there in between those two sites. Um, so, again, it was just my agency to say, hmm, this seems, seems like a problem that should be solved. Let's go solve it. Uh, and keep in mind, I'm not some corporate vice president. I'm not at the top, top, top of the company. You know, I'm not at the bottom. I'm not a college new hire. Um, but I have credibility. And I have confidence and I was able to have enough resources and enough, which means support, to go do something like that. And then it became a thing. And that's what I think the agency is all about. is like you have to have the idea, you have to have some support, uh, and you have to have confidence. And then you just go, right?
1: Yeah. It also strikes me that your agency sort of lit the fire of other people's agency. So when you were talking about like coming back and, you know, I hired four people, but then so did the, you know, so did these people and so did these people. Right. A lot of that is about storytelling. Like I have to Mm -hmm. imagine that you went and shared your story and the benefits that you saw and, you know, why you did this. And that inspired other people to do the same. And I think that is so important to just us as a culture, but specifically those of us who are trying to do things that are against, you know, the the norm or off the beaten path is yeah you grab your flag, you're going down the path, but you're kind of like screaming behind you like, come on. Come
0: on. Yeah. And and agency is one of those things that's infectious, right? Like once they see you running, it's like, well, he hasn't been killed yet okay, yes. I'm going to run too, right? Yes, your, exactly. your success makes other people go, all right, well, maybe I can be successful doing that too and emboldens them. And I think that, that happens at all levels. Like I said, I'm not a corporate vice president, um, but I do have a lot of street cred. So, you know, I can get resources. But even if you're a new hire and you're, the thing that you're trying to find agency is about is about just a design um, choice, you know, how the code should be written or something like that, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what role you're in, uh, wherever you are, if you show confidence and decide, I am going to be able to make this decision. I'm going to go in this direction because I believe it to be right. Um, and it may not be what they, I was told to do. Right. Uh, if you do that and you're correct, then other people go, huh, that that seemed to work out. maybe I should be like that too. I'm not a drone. I was hired for my intellect or whatever, so let me demonstrate some of my intellect and not just follow along right yeah, so
1: so how do we not allow it to deflate our sense of agency if it doesn't go well?
0: I think you have to be willing to reframe and uh accept uh I won't say failure, but accept that sometimes you can't just have things away because while you're doing your agency thing, so is somebody else, (laughs) right? Perhaps it's your manager or the larger business. And perhaps there's inputs that you didn't realize um, that make it a constraint. Like I might've said, Oh, we got to go into Africa. And someone else might've said, yes, but um, here's the realities of trying to set up in uh, those various countries. And this is why we don't do that. And it might be new enough information for you that you hadn't considered that you go, okay, there's a, either a legal reason or a tax situation or um, maybe it's a security, whatever. There's information that you didn't have. So you have to be willing to be flexible, right, um, so, so that you're not disappointed when it's like, yeah, but we're not going to do that. No, we got to do it. No, no, we're we're really not going to do that. It's like, okay, you have to be able to back out or you've got to be so strongly convicted that you say, well, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to go to a place where I can do it. Sure. Right.
1: And I think being able to like redirect your sense of agency, you know, towards Yeah, the the alternative, like maybe you still can solve that problem, just not the way that you originally thought.
0: Um, I'm going through one of these right now, actually, um, where I've, just like with Africa, I said, oh, we've, we've got to go to the Caribbean. <laughs> look at all these beautiful people out here. And there's no engineering happening. Um, and I'm like, yeah, let's go create a dev center and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, hold on. Um, let's start with one. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to be able to, like, look, they're, they're throwing money at us. We can have a, you know, they'll build us a building. And it's like, yes, but here's the considerations. And I go, okay all right, um, I could possibly still get what I'm after over five years, but I had to be smart enough to walk the political quagmire and the other realities that exist. So I have to reframe and, and calibrate the timing of the thing, um, not give up on it in this particular case, but just execute it in a particular way such that it survives rather than everyone comes knives out to kill it off, right? <laughs> So you have to be aware of that kind of stuff as well. There's some political gamesmanship that you have to do sometimes.
1: Sure. And just like you said, the flexibility aspect of it, um, there are many ways to solve a problem. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's incrementally. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to actually take you back to something you said a little while ago. Um, I think we could have a good discussion about it. So – Um. It, it might seem on the surface that there are some folks who do just want to put their heads down and get the paycheck, right? Yeah. Um, my question to you is, is it possible that those folks appear that way because their agency has somehow been repressed or diminished?
0: Certainly true. I mean, in some cases, they. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll answer it like this. I did an experiment once where we allowed our... We were going to, we were finishing some project and we were about to start something new. And we said, all right, we're going to allow the group to decide on its org structure. And we gave um, complete free, us managers, or like three three or four of us, we said, okay, we're going to allow these people to make their own presentations of the things that they want to work on and people can vote with their feet. They can go walk over towards the flip chart that interested them most, Right. Um, giving them all agency to do what they thought was the most interesting work to be done. Um, we pre-calculated what would actually happen, and it actually turned out that way anyway. And I was actually told, you know, by one of the managers, like, they like this exercise, but some people just want to be told what to do, right? Not everyone's a maverick. They just they just want to be told what well, they're settlers. They just want to be told what to do, you know? So not everyone is... Um, Not everyone wants to carry the flag. Some people do just want to follow and they're fine with that. And it's okay. Um, Some people are, uh, if you've been in the game long enough and you've uh, tried your ideas two, three, four times, you just run out of energy and you just kind of settle back. And this is the repression you're talking about. It's like, it's the system just beat it out of them. Mm -hmm. So they're just like, ah, forget it. Why bother? I mean, I'm getting paid. I get the reviews. I don't get incrementally paid so much more by doing the Maverick thing. So why bother? It's too much energy. I got other things to do. Um, that happens, right? Uh, for me, the the entrepreneurial spirit has never been beaten out of me. Um, I'm still a Maverick 24 years in. Um, I have had my moments where I'm like, what the F? You know, I mean, <laughs> come on. You guys said you wanted this. Why are you giving me resistance? Um, but then I just soldier on because it's like, ah, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to leave. And, and I keep saying that every two years and every two years I I keep staying because I keep getting what I want. So, uh, but yeah, I think there's some of that, uh, repression.
1: So what would you say to the folks who are, since you've been there and you sort of clawed yourself out time after time, um, yeah. what do you say to those folks who are kind of in that maybe burnout phase? And I'll just add, I I think there's a lot of that right now, like post-pandemic or middle pandemic. You know, I think there's a lot of that burnout. What do you say to those folks?
0: Change the scenery. Right. And if that means leaving your current job and doing something else for a while or taking a leave of absence, if that's possible or whatever. um, I think it's worthwhile to change the scenery. You should always know your worth. You should always know what you care about right? If you've never thought, you know, it's easy for 10 years to go by where you don't even think about what's my personal vision, Mm -hmm. if if ever, (laughs) right? Uh, What makes you happy? Why do you exist on this planet? What are you doing? What do you want to be doing when you're in your retirement years? And what do you want to do with your midlife? Um, I think it's worthwhile to take a step back and just assess and go, okay, yeah, I've been putting food on the table for the last 20 years, but what do I really want to do? <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: and if it's not what you're currently doing, then figure out a plan for making that what you're doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? And I think that's what's happening in the Great Resignation, right? People are just like, I don't have to do this. I don't even want to do this. <laughs> right?
1: Absolutely. And it's it's a combination of, I've heard people also call it the great reshuffling cuz someone else might want to do what you're not yeah. wanting to do. Yeah. Um and also I think we have, you know, I've spoken about this in prior episodes, but as leaders, we have to be aware that if we're not creating agency, I mean completely to your point, like it's going to be demanded now. Yeah. You know, people have reshuffled their priorities and they know what they're worth, they know what their knowledge is and whether or not it's being tapped into. At their organizations. And I mean, even the folks who are happy to sit back and follow, everyone wants to feel valued and everyone wants to know that their knowledge is being used. So even if they're not the mavericks, you know, trying to buck all tradition, if you're not feeling like people are listening, um, then that's going to become a problem for organizations, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And people get depressed, right? I mean, it's like you can only drone on for so long and then... You might slip into just depression and then you're just like, oh, I can't do anything. Um, It's just depressing. So I think you're right. It's like you have people want to feel like they're of worth, of value, of something that they uh, what they're doing has meaning and purpose. Um, Beyond just I show up at nine, I leave at five, I'm done. I don't even know what I did today. (laughs) Right. It's like that. horrible.
1: meta sense of agency (laughs) you know like i can enact my purpose i know what it is you know in a a very big way yeah i totally agree
0: so all that in a bag of chips
1: what kind of chips
0: (laughs) any kind of chips
1: (laughs) any kind of chips
0: i'm thinking mcdonald's
1: (laughs) um okay so i have two more questions for you that i generally ask most guests that come on to the podcast uh and i have not I don't prep. I haven't prepped you for this question.
0: Okay, Um, let's see.
1: What was the first thing you thought about when you heard Wild Hearts at Work? What does that phrase mean to you?
0: Oh, that that means like me, wild, just running through the halls, doing doing stuff that you want to do, you know? And Wild Hearts is like, uh, I just remember, um, I would often walk through the hallways like, and what's going on in my mind, like some theme song, like, shaft or something like that. It's like didn't yes. yeah i'm a bad mofo didn't you know that's a wild heart right <laughs> it's like i'm here i'm doing my thing my heart's open i'm getting what i want right uh, that's a wild heart means to me it's like you're just living it and you're not just like oh mm, well, yeah, my bologna <laughs> sandwich now you know it's like no you're out there like wow. <laughs> that's wild heart
1: I love it. It's my favorite question because everyone has a different interpretation and they're all valid. Like they are all exciting and energetic because it can show up in so many different ways. You know, yeah. I mean, some folks are, you know, a little more introverted and that wildness is in there, but it's quieter and that's okay. Quiet confidence. But I yeah. love your description. I love having the theme song. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so last question um just generally speaking is there anything you want to share with the audience and how can they find you if they want to learn more about your work or about Leap anything you yeah. want to share
0: Um well, I have a website that's being built there's not much there but william-a-adams.com um it says coming soon but it has my Twitter link and excuse me my LinkedIn link um and any content I have will go up there eventually um Leap is A-K-A dot M-S slash Leap, L-E-A-P. Uh, so for all those people out there who are like, how do I get into tech? Um, that's where you would go, at least for Microsoft. Um and other than that, you know, my my big message for for where I'm at in my career now is about this thing I call tech equity, which is about just getting more and more people into an equity position in technology because that's where wealth is, right? Mm. And what I mean by that is, um, yeah, get your high salary, whatever, but you need to own stock in companies because we're the trillion dollar thingies. <laughs> You need to be on that train, whether it's because you own stock because you just bought it or because you're creating a company of your own and it's going to grow in tech and perhaps get purchased, whatever. But this is the wealth engine of the world right now. And the more people, women and minorities, that I can get on that path, that's what I'm trying to do.
1: Amazing. So if if they want to learn more about that, do they reach out to you through the website yeah. uh, when, it's, when it's up and going? hmm Or through Twitter, it sounds like. so.
0: Or Twitter. Yeah, I do stuff on Twitter.
1: Amazing. Well, William, thank you so much. This has been such a cool conversation. Um, everything you said just sort of lights a fire for me because it's all what we've been talking about on this podcast for the past, I don't know, several months. Yeah. Um, So thank you for your work. Thank you for what you've done at Microsoft and in the world. And just thank you for being a guest with us.
0: Well, thank you. Now I can open That's my it. eyes.
1: And for you, my listeners, thank you for joining us again this week on Wild Hearts at Work. Please do like, share, subscribe. We also have a Patreon account if you would like to support the podcast. Um, But we are now in season two of Wild Hearts at Work, and I'm so excited to share the season with you. Until next time, dear hearts, stay wild. Yay.
0: thanks for joining us for this episode of wild hearts at work if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and share for more resources and to connect with melissa visit melissabogs.com. also if you or someone you know is doing great work in a wild way get in touch about being a guest on the show until next time